Thank you, Brother Randy. That's a great song. Hope that you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and, and uh, you call him Lord. Young people can go to junior church with the Scarbellos now at this time. The rest of us will, will take our Bibles, go to the book of 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning with verse number 1, we're going to go down, read down to verse number 6. Let's all stand as we read God's Word. This is the precious Word of God. If you want to hear how God thinks, you can read the Word of God, and it will tell us about many different things, about relationships. It talks about how uh, our priorities and different things of life. It uh, tells us how to live, how to have peace, how to have his joy. And First uh, Peter chapter 4, beginning with verse number 1, it says, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he, hath, for he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh of the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lusts, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. For for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. Let's pray. Wonderful Father, we thank you today for this opportunity of once again opening thy word to receive uh, the bread of life for us. And Father, I pray spiritually that we would be fed, that we would be helped and encouraged. And Father, today I pray that your power would uh, come upon this place. May your Spirit have free course in all of our lives. Lord, may we, as we consider this today, live as people who are under new management. Lord, under your control, as Brother Randy sang, uh, calling Jesus our Lord, our Master, the one who's in charge. Father, we thank you, we praise you, and pray, Father, for your words today. Lord, how I need your spirit to control my thoughts and my words. And Lord, pray for those that may not know Jesus, that they would hear the gospel and receive our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. One day a fierce-looking cowboy came to a Christian worker and asked him for several copies of the gospel of Mark. The cowboy began to tell the, uh, the Christian worker his story. He gave his testimony. He said, one day I went to San Francisco and I, I, threw away my, uh, I, I threw away much money in riotous living. I slept late after a long night of drinking and having fun and when I woke up I noticed on the table right by the bed there was a Bible. A, a portion of it, it, it was the, the Gospel of Mark. He said, you know, I took that thing and I threw it on the floor. He said, and I went out and I did the same thing the next night and I woke and saw a little book on that table again and it was the Gospel of Mark. I did it for the third day and, and uh, 
I threw that, that book on the ground again. But this, the third, uh, but the next day, he said, I took that book and I went to a nearby park and I began to examine it. I spent that day reading it. He said, I heard the Son of God say to a leopard, Be thou clean. He said, I heard him say to a paralytic, a paralytic person, Thy sins be forgiven thee. He said, I heard him a commando, a, a, a command a widow for her might. I saw him take, a, take the little children in his arms and bless them. I heard him say, Couldst thou not watch one hour? I saw him die. It broke my heart. I got saved. And it changed my life. He said, I'm a different man now. Now I spend much of my time giving away copies of the Gospel of Mark. You know, Jesus changed this man's life. He was under new management. You know, it's amazing what the Lord can do if we're willing to yield our life to His control. Jesus said in John 10.10, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. The abundant life comes only when we surrender our life to Jesus Christ. When we take our hands off the reins of our life and give the Lord control to it. So many Christians just endure their Christian life rather than enjoy it because they want to call all the shots. They want the Lord to bless them, but they want Him uh, to bless them in their evil way. Surrendering our life requires for us to lay down our arms and quit fighting the Lord. It demands that we seek His face before making decisions. It involves becoming totally dependent upon the Lord for our living. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1-6, through 6, we find the Apostle Paul admonishing believers uh, that were experiencing harsh, unfair treatment to remember the Lord and what He had done for them and was doing for them in their life. The message this morning is under new management. You know, it's to remind us of the great work that the Lord has done in us and is doing through us even today. We ought to be glorifying the Lord with our life. I want you to see as we look at this portion of Scripture in this First uh, uh, Peter chapter 4, verse 1, I want you to notice the first point, and that's having a Christ-like mind. Having a Christ-like mind. Look at verses 1 and 2. For as, much as, for as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. Chapter 4, uh, verse number 1, is a continuous thought from the last part of, of chapter number 3, verses uh, 18 through 22. It's the idea here, uh, Christ has once suffered for our sins. Look at verse number 18. It says, For Christ also hath once suffered for our sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened or made alive by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited 
in the days of Noah while the ark was uh, preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. The like figure wherein to even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Peter mentions three times in the book of 1 Peter that it was in Jesus' body, in his flesh, that Christ paid for man's sins. We look back at 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. It says, Who his own self bare our sins in his own body in the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live under righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Verse 18, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that, we, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. And then in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise with the same mind, for he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. Christ did, uh, did not die in sin. Christ was not a sinner. He was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. Christ did not die in sin, nor did he die under sin. But he died to sin. He took our place. He paid the penalty for our sin. From that point on, Christ will not come back and die for sin. He's not going to come. And some people say, well, you know what? Uh, I, I, need to, uh, I need to be saved all over again. When Jesus died, he died for sin, past, present, and future. When we come and at the time of communion, some people believe when they partake of the, the elements, that, that uh, wafer and that, that juice, they think that it actually becomes the body, uh, uh, body and blood of Christ, and he is re-crucified afresh and anew once again. My friend, may I share with you, he's already given the sacrifice. It's just to remember what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Romans chapter 6, verse 9 and 10 says, Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. He will no longer have any relationship to sin himself because of the fact that he arose from the dead. When he came back from the dead, he came in a glorified body. He was quickened or made alive by the Spirit. He has a life that now lives in a body. You know, Peter tells the believers that they are to arm themselves with the same mind that Christ had in verse number 1. That word arm, it means to furnish with arms. It's used of soldiers putting on their armor and taking their weapons. The believer is to arm himself likewise with the same mind, in the same way that Jesus had the same idea. We as believers are to be of the same mind set regarding sin. We are to be dead to sin, but alive unto Jesus. That's what we're, supposed to, what we're supposed to have. Look with me to Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 5 to kind of get an idea of this idea, having the same mind. 
We need to have the same mind as the Lord Jesus Christ. When we got saved, when we asked Jesus to be our Savior, God gave us a new mind, a new emotions, a new will. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verse number 15, it says we have the mind of Christ. And if we have the mind of Christ, then we ought to think the way that Christ thinks. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, Paul says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in, in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Folks, may I share with you today that we ought to have the same mind that the Lord Jesus Christ had. To have that same attitude. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1 uh, is Romans chapter 6. In a nutshell, let me encourage you to read Romans chapter 6 and 7 and 8. Not just to read it, but to study it. Because the Christian life is really centered on how we're to live being set apart from the old way of life in Romans chapter 6. And then living in, in that new life, the new life that Jesus Christ has given to us. And those chapters, Romans chapter 6 through 8, it helps us to understand the truth. Romans chapter 6 and verse 11. Let's go over there for a moment. Romans chapter 6 and verse 11. I said that this 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 1 is uh, this nutshell, if you would, of Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 1. Romans chapter 6, excuse me, in verse number 11 it says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We as Christians are to be dead indeed to sin. We're to have the mindset, hey, we're dead to sin. You say, well, pastor, what does that mean? Well, let me give you an example. If, if, you, were, um, if you were dead, a dead person, uh, if I had a dead person sitting up here, and I took, and I said, okay, this is, a, this is some wine for you. And I want, dead person, I want you to drink this. That dead person wouldn't drink wine. Why? Because he's dead. Uh, if I were to have a cigarette, and I say, oh, here, I want you to smoke a cigarette, dead person. Uh, the dead person would not do, be able to do that. Why? Because he's dead. Uh, today, you know, we, we've changed our thinking. We said, used to be that marijuana was was an uh, was illegal drug. Now, we just make it recreational. Can I tell you something? It still controls your mind, folks. It also leads to other things and heavier drugs. And you think it's not just weight. We're already seeing a medicated society that can't think straight. And today, we're going to help and encourage. If I had a, a joint here and I said, here, just smoke this joint, that dead person would not be able to do it. Why? Because he's dead. God says we're to reckon ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. We're to have that mindset that like Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. I died with Christ on the cross in my mind. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I'm living. 
I'm walking. I'm, I'm moving. Well, as he says in Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. There's a spirit now living in a body. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Folks, what God is trying to help us to understand here, that when we received Jesus as our Savior, we died with him on the cross. That from that moment uh, forward, I'm to reckon myself to be dead to sin, but alive to God. It was the Spirit of God that gave new life. Titus 3, 5 says this, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us, um, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Regeneration means new birth. And renewing, is, that other word, renewing in that verse, means a complete change for the better. When you got saved, God put His Spirit inside you, and the Spirit made something new in you. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The life of Jesus now lives in a body, in mine and in yours. Folks, we are the temple, the house of the living God. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 16. It says, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Folks, your body is the temple of the living God. You know, we come to this place, we call it a house of worship. But may I share with you that, that your body is a place where the Spirit of God dwells, where Jesus dwells. We pray and we ask Jesus to come into our heart. Your body is the temple of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there were those that were in Corinth who were holding on to their old wicked lifestyle of fornication and petty necking, adultery and drunkenness and strife. And Paul told them that to be a believer in Christ meant that, they were, that there was to be a new way of living because Christ now lives inside them. May I share with you today, if you're a Christian, Jesus Christ lives inside you today. You are the temple of the living God. And Paul gave strong warning to those people who would not respect their body and their temple. Look with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We see people today, and it's sad to say, we see Christians that do exactly the same thing like the world does. They act like the world, they talk like the world, they mark their bodies up, with tattoos and all sorts of stuff like the world. The Bible tells us that we are the temple of God. You are the temple of God. And look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 and verse uh, number 16. He says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? 
If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God, what? Destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Well, that's a pretty strong statement. Well, pastor, I can live however I want to. I can do whatever I want to. Well, we know that from Ecclesiastes, chapter 11, verse number 9, says, you know, God says you can do that, but know thou this, that for all these things you're going to come into judgment. And folks, may I share with you today, you are not your own. I am not my own. We are bought with a price. The Spirit of God lives inside us. We are the temple of the living God. Jesus lives inside us. And God has given that strong warning. Praise God we have been released from our sin when we got saved. Back in that portion of Scripture, back in 1 Peter chapter 4, notice what it says. Christ died for us. And if we look at 1 Peter chapter 4 and, and consider what it says here. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. That word ceased means to stop. You say, well, Pastor, what it means to cease? Well, it means to stop. Uh, it's in the what they call a perfect indicative passive. This same word, stop here, this ceased, this word is used, we find it over in 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 8, where it talks about tongues, and it says, uh, tongues will cease. Tongues will, uh, you say, what are they talking about speaking in tongues? Well, there was a spiritual gift that God gave to that early church where people could speak a language without ever having learned the language. Wouldn't that be amazing for missionaries? Well, I want to go to Taiwan, and, and uh, you automatically God would give you that spiritual gift to speak Taiwanese. You never have to go through the study. That would be amazing. I took Spanish for four years. And, boy, I tell you what, you had to learn, you know, nouns and verbs and all these different things. And, and now you don't have to do that because you just take Babel and it, it just teaches you in seven days how to speak a foreign language. Well, folks, can I tell you something? It takes a little longer than that. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. But that spiritual gift of speaking in a different language was given by the Spirit of God. We see it in the time of Pentecost, where the children of Israel, where, where the, the disciples and uh, the people that were in the upper room, the Spirit of God came upon them, and they came and they spoke, and they were speaking to Edomites and, and uh, different proselytes and different people, and they heard them speak the wonderful works of God in their own ears. It wasn't gibberish. It's not this stuff that was going on today. It was a known language. In fact, they heard it in their very dialect. And God says that they were going to have that spiritual gift, and they had it, and it was going to go to a point, and then it was going to cease. Same word that's used here, that a person who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Here in this portion of Scripture, when we talk about that idea of tongues going to cease, they were going, it was going to stop. Uh, this word is used in the active voice uh, in that particular point. That active voice, uh, when you're dealing with that, and it means that the person who's doing the speaking was going to stop doing it. The man, for example, the man stopped the car. 
the man, there was a person who stopped the car. They put the brakes on. That person, that's the active voice. But in this verse here, in this portion, in 1 Peter chapter 4, it says, For he that has suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. It's interesting, this one is not used in the active voice. It's used in the passive voice. It means that something has happened to them, to the person who they're talking about. One person put it this way. This word is used in the passive voice. The subject is acted upon, and the subject itself doesn't do anything. Dr. Joseph Thayer in his lexicon in the New Testament translate this literally as hath got released. In other words, when you read this portion, for he that hath suffered in the flesh hath got released from sin. Isn't that wonderful? You have been released from sin. Peter is saying here that we have been released from sin. We have been set free from the bondage of sin when you got saved. I don't know about you, that's pretty amazing. We were bound by sin before we were saved, but when we asked Jesus to be our Savior, He released us. We have been made a new creature. You know, President Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation on September 22, 1862. The moment it went into effect on January 1, 1863, every slave living in the Confederacy was legally free. But, un, but they, until they knew of their freedom, the legal fact had no impact on their life. In fact, the Union soldiers carried hundreds of thousands of copies of the proclamation to give to people so that they could read and understand what had been done to them. Christ had set them free from the power, uh, has set us free from the power of sin. We had been a slave to sin, but now we've been set free. I don't know about you, that's a wonderful thing. Boy, you had, before you were saved, you couldn't do anything but sin. But now, when we get received Jesus Christ, He not only paid for our sin debt, but He removed us from the auction block of sin, and He set us free. We're free. If Christ has set us free, we're free indeed. So now, as a Christian, I am set free. I don't have to sin. How many sin, though? Okay. Look with me to Galatians for a second. Look with me to Galatians. The book of Galatians. Chapter number 5. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. It says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. In other words, it has a desire, it has a, it has a passion against the spirit, uh, the spirit. Your flesh is going in an opposite direction from the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside you. Remember? God placed His Spirit inside us. So now our spirit, we have a spirit. His spirit comes to live inside our spirit. And our, our flesh wants to go the opposite direction than our spirit. 
For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if ye be led by the spirit, ye are not under the law. Drop down, if you would, in verse number 25. If ye live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Folks, we need to be led by the spirit of God. There, there is a reason for being released from our sin. We have a choice once we're saved whether to sin or not to sin. Why did God release us from our sin? We were in chains and bondage. Boy, we had that, that bad habit, that, that evil thought, that evil direction. And, and before we were saved, we could only do those things. And Jesus came and says, I came to set you free. But why did he come to set us free? So we could just do whatever we want to do and live the way that we want, us, uh, want to live? No, the answer is found back there in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 2. Go back there and look there. It says that we no longer should live the rest of, of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. I'm to live my life for Jesus. You are to live your life for Jesus Christ. That's why you've been set free. To do the things that are pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter was, has made it very clear that we have been born again by the Word of God. The Spirit of God, using the Word of God, will produce a Son of God. And the Son of God now has a new nature. A new nature that is not going to live in sin. So, Pastor, I'm a, new Christ, Christ, uh, I'm a new Christian. What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to live? God says that if I'm a new creature, I'm a new creation, I'm not supposed to live in sin. You say, what's sin? Well, if I were to ask you to name some sins, lying, cheating, stealing. Uh, you could look there in, in that, uh, that portion where we were talking in Galatians, right after that portion that we were just looking at. It starts listing all the, the uh, fruits or the evidence of the flesh, anger and wrath and malice and adultery and all, he starts listing all those things. You say, well, pastor, is that what I, is that how, you know, I, I do some of those things. God says we're not supposed to live that way. We're to live a different life. We're to live in a, a, a different mindset, a different direction. I think the illustration for us to understand is that of the prodigal son. Remember the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15? Go over there with me if you would. Luke chapter 15. Remember the prodigal son came to his uh, familiar story. The younger son of, the, of, a, of a man came to him and he said, You know, Dad, uh, I want my inheritance right now. You're not dead, but I want my money now. You know, I, I don't want to wait till you die. You know, that's a very selfish and proudful thing. I've heard people, I've heard kids ask their parents, say to their parents the same thing. Uh, so I know that this is just exactly like real life. And here in this portion of Scripture, in Luke chapter 15, verse 11, and he said, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that followeth to me. And he divided them his living. And not many days after, the young man uh, gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. He wanted to get as far away from dad to responsibility and uh, authority to tell him what to do. I get a kick out of people who say, you know what, 
I don't like to live in my home. There's too many rules. My parents, I want to get, I want to, I want to, I want freedom. I'm going to go and I'm going to uh, join them. I'm going to join the service. Any famine in the land. And, be, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of the country. And he sent him out into the fields to feed swine. For a Jewish person to go out and feed pigs, this was forbidden. They were supposed to stay away from pigs, but he was looking for any job that would, that would help him. And so this guy says, okay, you can go out and feed my pigs. And he, and he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. You know, when you think about the prodigal son, he lived riotously, he spent all, he went and fed the pigs, he got down in the pig pen of life, but he was not a pig. He had the nature of his father inside. He didn't like eating out of the pig trough. Now pigs, when I used to raise pigs, boy, you'd take that slop, all the leftovers from dinner and stuff like that, and you'd throw it in the, in the trough. Boy, they'd love to root around in there, and they'd get in that stuff, and they'd just eat all that stuff, and they'd just, they're just as happy as a clam. But you know what? This prodigal son, it says nobody would give him anything to eat. Folks, he wasn't going to be happy eating that type of stuff either. Can I tell you something? If you're a child of God, you're not going to be happy eating in the, in the hog pen of life either. There's a lot of Christians who go off and they, they go into the world and they live like the world and they say, boy, this is fun. Can I tell you something? It's fun for a season. But if you're truly a child of God, you're not going to be happy living there. You won't be able to continue living there and, be, and have joy in your heart because the Spirit of God is living inside. And this prodigal son realized that there was something different. He remembered back. And the Bible says in verse 17, and when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. That was humbling. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father, but when he was yet a, a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran, and fell on his neck, and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and, and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to the servants, Bring forth the, the, uh, the best robe, and put on him, and, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and, and kill it, and let us eat, and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive, and he was lost and is found, and they began to be married. May I share with you that this man realized, hey, there's something better than this. And folks, may I share with you today, you may be living in sin. You may be living according to the course of this world. But folks, as a Christian, you will not have peace and joy in your life living in sin. You are the temple of God. And the Spirit of God is going to convict you of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 7. 
An interesting statement. 1 John chapter 3, verse 7. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin has a habitual lifestyle of sin, is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifest, that he might deliver or destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. You don't have a lifestyle of sin. You say, well, Pastor, I, I, like, you know, I like worldly things. I like the, what the world has to offer. Folks, can I tell you something? You need to read this portion. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed, the seed of God, as I said, remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. You say, well, what do you mean? I cannot sin. I, I'm doing this. I'm enjoying it. Folks, can I tell you something? You cannot continue. It may be a pleasure of sin for a season, but the Spirit of God's going to bother you. You say, well, Pastor, I... Hasn't bothered me yet. Well, read the very next verse. In this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doth not righteousness is not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. If you love sin, and you love the world, and you love the things of the world, and that's where you find your enjoyment, your fulfillment, and you don't care about spiritual things, then you better look and see if you're really saved. Because if you're truly born again, can I tell you something? The Spirit of God will say, you know what? That's not what you should be doing. That's not the people you should be hanging out with. That's not the place you should be going. Hey, you're the temple of the living God. Jesus lives inside you. Do you think that a person who has been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and given a new life, created in righteousness and true holiness can be satisfied wallowing around in the sin of the world? The answer is no. The Bible says, Ephesians 4.24, that, uh, that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. We're to put off the old man, which is corrupt, but put on the new man. Let me ask you today, under new, as we think of this idea of under new management, are you living under new management in your life? Do you enjoy the things of righteousness and holiness and truth? Living for Jesus, as the song says, a life that is true, striving to please him in all that we do. Folks, that's not just a bunch of words in a songbook. It's the attitude, and it ought to be the attitude of the life of a person who truly knows Jesus. Today, as we conclude the message this morning, we're going to continue it tonight in the evening. Folks, as we stop and as we think about this, what is my life all about? Do I have the same mind that Jesus did? Crucified? With Christ, nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. My life, Jesus, I want you to live your life in me. I want you to be honored and glorified and magnified. I want people to see you in me. We hear so many people today say, well, you know, I want people to notice who I am. I want people to, 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 to know how important I am. To see me. Folks, 
whether they see you or not and know who you are or not is really unimportant. Whether they know Jesus makes all the difference in the world. When Jesus comes into a life, he can change somebody else's life. And when, we, when people see Jesus in us, it, it glorifies our Father which is in heaven. When your friends see you, do they see Christ? Do they see Jesus? Do they see that, that same person that we read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? The, the way that he portrayed himself, the way that he conducted himself, the way that he talked with people, the way that he acted. Do they see that in your life or do they just see you? Folks, may I share with you today, Jesus did not come to save you, to leave you like you were. If he did, there would be no purpose for him to come and die. Jesus came with a purpose, to seek and to save that which is lost. He came with a purpose to change you, to be like himself. Folks, I pray today that, the, that Jesus Christ might be seen in us and through us. Is he seen in your life? So, Pastor, I don't even know him as my Savior. Folks, then the best place for you to start today is to realize that God, God who created all things, loves you. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Everybody would get their heart right with him. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin has broken our relationship with God. When Adam sinned, and chose to do his will over God's will, just like we do today, every day. We break that fellowship with God. It, when Adam sinned, he became dead in his relationship toward God. And it's only when we receive Jesus as our Savior, believe that we are a sinner, and that Jesus, God's Son, came, died on a cross for our sins. He died in our place to give us a new beginning to set us free to release us from our sin. We don't have to be bound by those chains any longer. And to let him live in us and through us. Jesus died, he was buried, and rose again to give us what we could not give ourselves, which is a new relationship with God. Today, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you'll call upon him and believe what he did for you on the cross, was buried and rose again, you can be saved today. Won't you turn to Jesus today and turn from your sin? He's a wonderful Savior. I pray you'd come to him today. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for this day. And Lord, I thank you for salvation. I thank you for the redemption that you have provided through Jesus Christ. His blood has purchased us from our sin. He set us free. And Lord, I pray today that we would live a life that's dead to sin, but alive through Jesus Christ. May the life of Jesus be seen in us and through us. Lord, I pray that our life would reflect our wonderful Savior who's inside us. Lord, may we desire righteousness and truth and, and love and the things of thy word that we might grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Father, may we be a people that are pleasing to you. Help us to turn from our sin and turn to you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe today you're bound by some chain of sin, some, some habit or something that you know that 
It's not pleasing to God. Well, God is able to set you free. Jesus can set you free. Why not give that over to the Lord today? Why not lay that at the foot of the cross and give him that position, that place in your life and say, Lord, please, please, I want to turn from my sin. I want to turn to you. In a moment, we're going to have an invitation and perhaps you need to come to the altar. The steps down here kind of represent the altar for us here at Galilee. You can come and talk to God. Lay your sin at the altar. Maybe you've uh, never been baptized. That's a first step of obedience for a Christian. Once you're saved, to be identified with Jesus Christ in his death, his burial, and resurrection. If you've never been baptized by immersion, you need to come. He, he bids you to come. Maybe today you say, Pastor, I, I just want Jesus to be seen in my life. Maybe you need to come and pray about that, that others would see Jesus in you. Dear Father, we just thank you for this day and for this time. I pray, Lord, for those that are hearing the message of the gospel right now. Lord, if they've never received Jesus, I pray that they would pray and ask him to be their Savior right now. Lord, we pray in this time of invitation that our hearts would be in tune with you, that we'd listen to your voice and do what you say. We give you all the praise now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. Brother Scott's going to lead us in a song of invitation. And as we sing, I pray that God would lead you and that you'd